Welcome back to another episode of the Odd or God Pod, where we talk about spirituality, sobriety, and everything in between. This is Eric, your host. Um, this week we got a very special episode. Um, this, this our guest today, very pivotal guy in, in my program. I've known him for some time now, and he, uh, when I first came out here to Arizona in 2020, uh, you know, really helped give me the foundation that I needed, and most of the relationships that I have today in my life all stemmed from, uh, you know, this relationship here and and everything that he was able to help me out with. Um, so without further ado, this is uh, Paul. Hey, Eric. I'm, I'm uh, what, super, super happy to be here. And uh, yeah, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a nice introduction. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, w- when I met you for the first time, um, yeah, things were a lot different, you know. And, and, you know, where God's taken our relationship, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, and I'm really glad that he's kept you in my life. And uh, to see the things that you're doing today, man, it's it's really awesome. Thank you, man. I I remember one of my fondest memories of first meeting Paul. <laughs> you know what was, you're I, talk about. I, I remember we had this conversation, and we were talking about like the concept of like a higher power. And, like I think at that time I was oh. reading some like existentialism or like what it was and i'm trying to like explain it to him because you know me like as a good alcoholic i think i was like so super intellectual and i was just on a different plane than everybody else was and i just remember him looking at me and be like oh this guy's got some work to do (laughs) yeah yeah i you know my thought is like oh man not not another one of these guys um because we do we come out we're newly sober and we've got you know usually most of us are pretty intelligent as alcoholics and addicts you know as a group um it's it's been shown that you know we're pretty intelligent and we and we think we think we know something and we like to hold on to that we like to hold on to that idea because basically we've lost everything else right so we like to hold on to that idea that that we uh we think we know something when we're pretty smart so we come up with these ideas or we grasp onto these these ideas that that may be different from other people just for the mere fact that they're different from other people. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, um, wasn't the first time that I ran into it, but you know, my reaction to that, I try, I try not to be extreme with my reactions to that because what I don't want to do is push people away from the truth. Right. You know, and uh, you know, I, I truly believe that by example, if you, if you experience enough people and, and they're they're walking a certain walk that you'll be able to see the truth you know and, and i think that that's really important and you know just by you know trying to destroy somebody's ideas right off the bat saying no you're wrong this is why um without backing it up but with um walking the walk you know it, it can be detrimental Oh, a hundred percent. And I, uh, I attribute a lot to, uh, my time. So, so Paul, a little backstory, I'm sure he'll get into it some more, but he, um, he owns and operates a network of sober living homes out here in the, the Mesa Chandler area. Um, and when I got out of treatment in 2020, I was, uh, he, he was highly recommended that that's where I would go. And so, um, you know, we got in contact with him and I moved into one of his houses. Um, and then I was there for a little under a year, um, you know, getting my foundation and my feet under me, uh, you know, doing this whole recovery deal. And um, during that time, Paul's introduced me to my church that I still go to to this day, the church that I was baptized in uh, last year. Yeah, it was a big day. Yeah, yeah I still remember that day. That's cool. Yeah, and that like, a lot of just some of the closest fondest relationships that I have with people in my life today all stemmed from uh, making that decision to go to sober living and, and live in, in that network and you know he played a huge part in that and I'm you know always grateful for that well yeah I mean I, I think the reason why you know and uh, you know the reason why is because you know it's really important for me to be involved in those in those houses and not just like show up once once a week or something but really develop relationships with guys in the houses you know um it's been put on my heart you know to uh to really get to know each and every one of the guys in in the houses there's a lot of guys man it's like 70 guys but you know um it's important 
you know it's really important because if you do that and if you have something to pass along to to the next person and they can see you walk walk these things out walk them through and see see what's possible man um you know i just i just think it gives people a, a lot better chance to develop relationships with other people that are um of like mind right um or you know they get the chance to see what's possible from guys who have come before because i, I don't know about you but you know when i'm in the depths of my uh, alcoholism and drug addiction man not, nothing's possible you know it, it's that hopeless state that we get into and uh and I don't think it can get any better than what this is right here, right now, which is pretty dark. Right. Right. And, and then, then you get guy gives you a glimpse, whether it's guys bringing in a meeting for an H and I, or whether I'm at a meeting and I see a guy that that I really relate to, you know, and and I see what he's become, right? What God's done in his life and who he is today, and, and we know we we can see who's genuine and who's not, you know. And, and when I see that, there's that glimmer of hope, right? And, and when there's hope, man, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, man. That's just, it, it's, so, it's so great. What are you up to, seven houses now? Yeah, seven houses. Um, looking for probably a, another one right now. We'll see. We'll see. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, when I started um, with one house, I really had no plans on two houses or three or four i had no plans whatsoever um it was just to have one house do it the right way and uh man god it was god's plan not mine because i'll tell you nine and a half years ago you tell me yeah you're gonna have seven sober living houses and all these guys are gonna have these experiences and all these guys are gonna get baptized and, and even the ones that aren't going to church are staying sober not all of them but a, a good portion of them um, and you're going to be able to help provide for your family with, you know, three felonies on your record and, and uh, being unemployable in the career that you, you know, you threw away a long time ago. Um, if you were to tell me that that was going to happen, I, I would tell you to say, I, I don't know how to do that. Right. You know, I, I just don't. I don't know how to do that. Um, but God's, God surely does. That's awesome. And, and one more thing, and, and just to kind of touch on, because um, I, I tell this to so many people, and, and I just know it to be true. I've been in the, the recovery scene out here for some time, and I'd like to think I'm pretty well connected. And, um, you know, what, what I see from, you know, the guys coming out of Paul's house is, is they is such like a strong sense of camaraderie amongst the houses and and um the alumni that have gone through these houses and have maintained significant sobriety and like gone on to accomplish all of these things and continuously come back and stay within that uh you know group of, of the guys who are currently in the houses is uh i don't know if there's any much other sober livings that really have that that sense of uh, people who were in your houses five, six years ago that are still involved, right? With yeah. with guys that are currently in your houses. Yeah, that that I feel I'm very grateful and I feel very fortunate. Um, but it's not an accident, right? Um, it's by God. It's by what's what's really important. It's it's the people. It's relationships, right? It's it's the relationships that we build there. And you know, I don't want people coming into my house. Who, you you know I, I speak to every single person before they they can walk through the door of one of my houses, and and I, I let them know in, in very specific terms what we're trying to do, and, and what it all boils down to is become better men, right? And and through that you know knowing what what the expectations are, what we're looking for, also letting them know I don't expect them to be perfect, you know, uh, and letting them know that you know hey there's a fellowship. And we, we want you to be a part of it, you know, and that's just it, man, being a part of it, developing these relationships, having good people in the houses, long term managers. Um, I have some long term residents, you know, um, that are willing to, you know, reach out their hand to the new guy. I have houses where a new guy comes in and they get bombarded by guys saying, hey, you know, can I take you to the store, you know, or they they make a huge meal for for the house that night or, and you know, more than likely, um, you're going to a meeting that night for sure, you know, and, uh, 
you know, you need help getting to D S or whatever you want to call it to get food stamps. You need a job, you know, we'll, we'll rally around you for that. Um, but you have to show the willingness. Yeah. I just, um, I, I always just, uh, I always have just really, really fond memories of my time spent in, in your houses. And, um, I, I really don't think that like all of this and everything that we have going on and um, even Wade, you know, with, with plugged in all come from, you know, this, this program that you're running and you're just a, a huge part in a, in a lot of guys uh, you know, journey. And that's, that's just so awesome to see. And i glad that you're part of mine as well, but uh, let's just go ahead and kind of get into it. Maybe share a little bit about what it was like and what happened and you know what it's like now. Yeah. Well, you were talking real quick. I'll, I'll circle back uh, with with Wade and, and plugged in and and with you running these houses, man. It's 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 really great to see, you know, and, and you know that I I don't claim to be the reason why, right? I just I just tell people, you know, I get to be a part of, right? Mm-hmm. And I get to see this stuff, you know, when when guys get sober, stay sober. It's not because of me. I, I just think that, that, you know, I'm grateful to God that I get to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it humbles me, to be honest with you. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. And to see what Wade's doing and, and that, you know, you're a part of that, you know, it, uh, it, it does. It makes me smile because I, I know that the heart's in the right place. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. And, and just to touch on one more thing, and then I promise we'll we'll get into your story here. But um, you know, that's just—it's a testament, really, to to how much you you made an impact in all of our lives. But um, I think one of the the biggest things too, and it's true for me, is that um, by the way that you live your life and and your involvement in your program, I've seen you, uh, you know, introduce God into so many so many of the guys' life and. Um, that was just something that was so pivotal, you know, in May of last year, 2020, um, made the decision to, to give my life over to Christ. And, um, I I was born again, um, at, at the church that you had introduced me to. And to this day, that's where I still go. And so many others do. And, uh, what was it just last month? Um, there was another baptism where there was like four or five guys from the house, um, that were giving their lives to Christ. And, um, that to me is, is some of the biggest successes, right? Like that's absolutely, I, I agree. I agree with you. And it hasn't always been that way. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, those, those things. And for you, for example, come from that first conversation on the back patio of the Pecos house. I remember exactly where we were sitting when we had that conversation and, and I don't know, the, the, the spirit, the unipower, the universe, well, I forget what type of stuff you're, you're, you were talking something like that to go from there right to go from there and to see you have the willingness to to put aside what you thought you knew and and to really you know embrace the truth right because i think that we all are are born with uh, a true idea of god you know he and, and i think that we a lot of us especially a lot of us alcoholics and addicts um we search for for the answer, knowing that the answer is God, but trying to avoid it because of what we're doing and engaged in. Mm-hmm. It's you know, not the convenient answer, therefore not, it man. can't be the right answer. No, it's not convenient, it's not easy, and I may have to stop doing some of these things that, that my flesh tells me, you know, it, it's fun and it's good, and it, you know, and that's, uh, that's the deal, you know, but we got, we've got to be, when I, when I see, you know, the light turn on, people are willing to accept the truth and, you know, their lives change, right? We become, we become new, right? You know, Jesus changes us. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, just wanted to put that out there because that's, you know, it's very rare that, that you, you really see that kind of movement. Um, and it's just something that I, I truly associate your, what you have going on and a lot of that is... The funny thing about that was that, you know, when I started sober living, um, I wasn't even going to church. You know, that was, uh, I knew, I accepted that God existed, you know, because he had, uh, he had broke me from bondage. And, and I didn't even know that phrase back when I got sober, right? I just know that God had 
a lot to do with it. I had a spiritual experience where, where I, I had accepted some really, some really hard truth in, in, uh, in early, early sobriety sitting in a treatment center in, in downtown Mesa. Um, but I still had some fight left in me. <laughs> You know, yeah. I still had some fight left in me, and that fight was pride and ego, and, and it fights against it. It fights against the spiritual. It really does, um, and it keeps it keeps me closed off from the truth. But God's grace, you know, through God's grace, I was able to stay sober by working through the process of the twelve steps, and and, and the book did what what it was designed to do to clear away all that garbage mm-hmm. and, and show me a path to develop a relationship with God. And I thought that was enough at first. And it was enough to keep me sober for a while working with other guys. I was big on sponsorship, right? I was big on going to meetings, big on sponsorship, big on accountability and responsibility, right? Um, But I still had some issues, right? I still had some anger issues. I still had some pride and ego issues um, that that were, you know, very strong and, you know, for the first four years of my sobriety, it was pretty good, man. It was good, right? You know, um, my I was able to be there for my family, my kids, my wife. My wife and I's relationship wasn't the best, but it wasn't broke. It wasn't as broken as it was before, and, and we had uh, decided to to you know make sure that we we work on that on that. But uh, after about four year mark. Um, something drew me back to church, and I went under the guise of my kids needed some type of spiritual compass, mm. right? That's what that's what I decided to tell my wife. You know, we should we should really take these kids to church because I don't want them to grow up like I and turn out to be like me. And maybe if we do this, that this will help. Um, little did I know God, you know, God put that in me so that uh, it would give me an excuse to get to church. And once I walked in the doors. Uh, of Desert Springs, and Desert Springs wasn't the first church that I went to, um, but when I walked through the doors there, um, a lot of things happened right away. Um, God moved, the Holy Spirit was there, and uh, yeah, I think that the second service I attended, you know, I turned to my wife and I said, they were talking about the mission trip to Haiti, I'm there, I'm the second day I'm there, right? And I'm like, hey, Anna, I think I'm supposed to go to Haiti. You know, and, and I was I was pretty convicted and I, it was weird because I'd never experienced anything like that. And you, you know, man, here's the thing. I'm a I'm a skeptic, you know, by nature. I'm very skeptical. And, you know, I don't it's hard for me to uh, to really just without really seeing and experience that uh, I don't take things, you know, at face value. I really have to see it play out. Um, so it was, it was a weird experience for me to be that convicted to do something that far out of the norm for me. And and that's pretty incredible. Like your second week at this church and you're like, I'm going. Yeah. And and through that, you know, I I met, uh, this guy named Pastor Jimmy, whose, whose story was, he had a background a lot like mine. Right. And, uh. And the great thing about that, he was the first one I had coffee with after the first week I was there. The great thing about that, because you know he was one of us, is that I could sit across from him, look into his eyes, and I knew he was telling me the truth about God and Jesus Christ. You know, there was no doubt, and he was the he was the person that I needed uh, at that time to uh, to be in front of me, um, or else you know I would have just called BS and, and walked. Right, you know, because I'm good at that. Yeah, his his message had that depth. And it weight. had depth and weight, right, man. And then uh, through uh, signing up for that Haiti trip, um, I I get introduced to Pastor Jim, who you know, um, the the uh, leader of the Ministry of Hope, and uh, that group um, is an integral part of me of my walk and my education in in, in the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. it was something I never had before. I think before I went to to Hope, I may have opened a Bible maybe two or three times in my life. It wasn't very many, right? And uh, and I, I went to Hope again, filled, still filled with this pride and ego, thinking, oh yeah, this Hope thing, yeah, I get it. You know, it's they're trying to be like celebrate recovery, and, and you know, I'm I'm going to show up there and 
and I'm going to show them what, what real recovery looks like. I got four years, man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to show them. Yeah. So, and, and I'm like, I'm going to go a couple times. I'm going to, I'm going to let them know, help them out a little bit. And then, uh, then I'll move on. But you know, uh, five and a half years later, you know, it's, uh, it's a place that I call, I'm called to be at pretty much every week and, and involved in as much as possible. Yeah. And, uh, I, I remember, well, it was when I was in your houses that I was introduced to hope and, um, I don't think I would have gotten to a point in my life where, um, I under, I knew, uh, enough about Jesus and I knew enough about um, like what was going on to like be able to go and get baptized and like keep building that and um, that's all attributed to to going to hope and, and Pastor Jim is a huge part of that and a lot of the other guys that are still there and um, you know lately I, I've been called to, to serve um, uh, you know at Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights but um, I, I do. Uh, yeah, God calls us different places at different times, you know, yeah. and, and there's people he needs us to be in front of and we have to be obedient to that. Yeah. You know, um, right now I'm still I'm still called to, to be at, at hope. And, and it's still one of those things where, you know, the enemy still gets in my head and so every Monday it's just like, ah, do I really need to go to this? Been going for... And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, through my my own you know, thinking sometimes uh, through the pushing of of my wonderful wife, I, I end up showing up. I love that man. That's um, that's just uh, you gotta love that. And what I love about Hope a lot too, and and I don't want to like just keep uh, on this, but there are so many guys at Hope that have been there for five plus years. Yeah, the, and that is the real yeah. testament to that group is that when I when like when you go. You're, you, they remember your name. They remember who you are. Like when you share, you've, it's it's a men's ministry that it, it gave me what AA and like all the some other programs couldn't. Because when I started understanding more about who my higher power was, when I started learning more about Jesus, I, I was less and less interested in hearing about someone's concept of praying to a tree. Yeah, and I was yeah. more and more interested in, in learning about that aspect of things, yeah. and that gave me a space to focus on not only my recovery but most importantly put at the forefront of of my life and not just my recovery but my life is is serving god and what that truly means you know yeah it's funny and and that's really what uh that inspired me to to start that thursday night meeting is uh you know loosely based on, on on an aa format to where people can really feel comfortable speaking about their relationship with god and not the doorknob or the tree or whatever whatever you want to call it and i have no problem with people you know this is where i started but this is what this is where i where i'm at today yeah. you know because we all start somewhere and, and uh you know my relationship with god started very small in the beginning um and, and you know i've i've sponsored men that that have no relationship with god in the beginning but you know the book is designed to do a very specific thing and if they're open and honest and, and they work through those steps that's why I, I, I'll always I always support AA always because it does what it was designed to yeah, do God, God brings you to AA but AA brings, brings you to God. God that's exactly that's exactly right and, and I thank God for for AA because again it did what it was supposed to do it, it brought me to um, a relationship with God and then it also tells me that I need to take it from there and to enlarge my spiritual life yeah. you know and uh, you know for me how do I do that right and we've talked about this before in, in order to to enlarge my spiritual life I have to find more information and that that information's you know kept in the Bible yeah. and, and uh, if I want to a, a deeper relationship with God I gotta spend more time with him which means I have to spend more time in his word, you know, so it's a, uh, it's a great dynamic. I, I, yeah. I, I, and, I love it. And I love that you uh, brought up your Thursday meeting. Cause that is by far since coming out back to the Valley and, and joining, you know, the recovery scene that has been probably my most attended meeting out mm-hmm. of like any of the meetings. It's one of my most consistent and, and to this day, and we were even, you know, this past Thursday after, after the meeting, just talking about it in the parking lot, it's like, 
it's so incredible that there are people from seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago that are alumni of your houses that still make it part of their weekly routine to be present at that meeting and to and to know the guys who are in the houses now and to like continue like going down that path and like then you and then you go to service on Sunday and you'll see upwards of 15 to 20 people past and present from your houses at each service yeah and it's like that to me is just and, and it's like and, and I hold a lot of sentiment to me because I, I'm also one of them but it, this last time around when I came back I remember very vividly that day like my life had gone to shit um, I like I'm like ran out of money I ran out of like places to go I remember it, it was a Thursday morning and I was picking my roommate up from the hospital and I was just super like super drunk, whatever, at like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I'm trying to tell him he's got a problem. As <laughs> when I pick him up from the airport and I'm like, you know, drunk and like, and I drop him back off at the place and I'm sitting there and God convicted me and it, I knew exactly where I was gonna go that night. I knew I had like, that was it. And so that whole day I spent there and like any good alcoholic and addict, I'm getting myself right, right? Cause it's like, if I, yeah. this is it, this is it. Yeah, And then I'm like, okay. And I show up to that meeting and I remember there was like eight people there. Paul wasn't even there. And I was yeah. just like, what? Like, I was like, this can't be it. But I knew, like, I, I, it was literally the beacon. I knew exactly where I needed to be. And I went to that church and that on that Thursday night. And even with you not being there, I saw some people that um, I've known for a long time, dear friends of mine. And um, I made that phone call and you were able to, to get me in, like, right away. And Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's just part of what God does. I mean, um, and it's, it's again, just one of those things that, that I'm humbled to be a part of and, and, you know, for people to know that they can come back and man, just, you know, that, that whole thing, you know, I, I was talking about going back to, to church and going to desert Springs. I don't think I was there for, for, but a couple months and, and, you know, they give me a key to the place to have a meeting there, you know, and and, it, and it's great. And, and the cool thing about that is, is that, you know, you know, you know as well that I, I don't push my faith on, on other people. I let them see by example what's possible, what's available to them, right? And, and you know, even the guys on Thursday, a lot of them don't go to the church, but I let them know that if they need, if they need a church, this this is their church, you know, and they they have a spiritual home. You know, and in that I'm grateful for, you know, Desert Springs always will be for, for giving us that spot. And, and they appreciate um, the guys from the house is coming and they they value them. And they're not just alcoholics and addicts. You know, they're they're members of the church. Yeah, that's it's so beautiful. And I and I remember like I, I didn't start going to church right away or anything either. But you always were like, we need help moving chairs. We yep, need help. That's setting how up. Hey, that's in, how they that's how they wrangle you in. So you'll show up and you'll start helping moving chairs. And the next thing you know, you're going to service every now yeah, and then. And then you the meet th some people who yeah. are who aren't alcoholics and addicts. And you're like, hey, well, maybe this isn't what I thought it was right you know and, and we need to see that and then you find yourself there Sunday Monday and Thursday every week <laughs> yeah 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 it's good stuff oh, though, man. Man. it's I, great I love it so um but yeah man I mean uh this has been good so far but I, I do want to just give you a chance to maybe share a little bit about your story and you know kind yeah of from there. well yeah let's get into that a little bit you know um you know, looking at it from the perspective of where I'm at today, you know, it's uh, it looks a little, little bit different. You know, the victim mentality of the whole situation has gone by the wayside quite a while ago. Um, my reactions to things that that happened in life um, were extreme and, and were extreme to for me to you know self-medicate to you know. Um, self-sabotage to do all these things right and, and i say this often is that you know my childhood wasn't great man but you know there's millions and millions of people who have much 
a much more difficult childhood than I did. And they don't become, you know, hopeless alcoholic and addict like I did. You know, it's just the way that I chose to to respond, whether I was, you know, pre-wired to be an alcoholic. And, and I, I don't know the answer to any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. It's what happened, you know? That's what, I, that's what matters. What matters is you turned into one yeah. at some point, so. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, what, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, you know, my child, and, and you know, the, the things that happen with people like us, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but for, pe for people like me, when, when bad things happen to me and, and I don't have somebody, you know, trying to make it right or, or trying to tell me, yeah, you're right. And it's, you know, it, it, when things happen to me, I use those things as justification to do whatever the heck I want to do, you know, and, and whatever I want to do is to do whatever is going to make me feel different and feel good in the flesh sense right here, right now, you know, drugs, women, gambling, whatever it may be. And, and that's how I responded to, to all of these things that, uh, that, uh, happened in my life you know my dad passed away when I was 10 and and I didn't uh you know I didn't have an explanation from anybody and why that would happen to me and, and you know it was you know tight you know we grew up poor whatever you want to call it you know I, I don't really like to to say much about it because you know when it's all said and done it, it, it wasn't that bad it could, you know like I said, a lot of people have it a lot worse, and I see that today. Um, although, if you talk to me back then, you know, nobody had it as bad as I did, you know. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I'm an introvert by nature. I was an introverted kid, you know, and, uh, you know, the alcohol, drugs, you know, you know, the old story, it helped me fit in and, and all of that stuff. And, and uh, you know, I was, I, became a big party party guy, you know, and that, that became part of my identity, right? Because I didn't know who I was. And, uh, and you know, I drank and used it for, for 30 years, man. I didn't get sober until I was 45, you know, 54 now. Um, that's a lot of years. And, and I say that, you know, a lot of those years, I was functional, right? You quote unquote functional. Um, I don't truly believe in functional alcoholism because there's a lot of damage being done to somebody, um, including yourself, um, and that's not functioning. I may be able to, you know, pay some bills, have some stuff, and, and make it look okay sometimes on the outside, but that's not that's not functioning. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'll use it that term loosely for the, for the time being. So you know, I, I, I was able to to do some things and. And, and that, for me, is unfortunate, right? Because I'm able to stand on those things. You know, I, I, I get promoted a couple of times in, in the finance industry. You know, um, I've got some job titles. And uh, that's enough for me to stand on that hill and say, hey, man, I don't care what you say. I'm doing okay. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing outside of work. Look what, look what, you know, look what I'm doing, look what you're doing, mm. you know? And, and that's a bad place to be, man. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's not good. It's not good for the egomaniac with the inferiority complex, right? Because that just feeds it. And, and it feeds the delusion that, that I can do whatever I want and everything's going to be okay. And, and back then, man, in the, in the late 80s and in the 90s, you know, that, that whole party, party, you know, finance party. It was like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was goofy. And, uh, yeah, and you can hide it, but you can only hide it. If you're a true alcoholic, you can only hide it for so long. And, and, and you don't hide it very well, like, no, looking you back think on you, it. You think <laughs> like, you do, man, but yeah. you don't. Man. And there's there's so much damage that we do that, that we, you know, just, you know, we're delusional about and, and we can rationalize it out, you know, and, but yet we're hurting people really badly, you know, and, and to be able to just gloss over that, you know, is, is part of this disease that it's, it's a really hard part to look back at. It, it makes me uncomfortable when, when I think about it because there's a lot of people that aren't in my life today um, that, that I hurt really badly, you know, and, uh, I don't, I'm not that same person today, 
and, and I don't carry around any guilt or shame for it. But those things that I did make me feel uncomfortable, and they should, because, you know, I did those things, you know. Um, I, I know that God's forgiven me for them. Whether those people did or not, you know, you go and make amends, you know, um, forgiveness isn't part of that deal, you know. Um, that's up to them, but uh, I know God has forgiven me for it. But it does, it makes me uncomfortable, and I wish that it didn't happen. I, but I'm not in the delusion that, that any of that would have been any different. Um, the great thing about all of, the, all of those years where I created all that, all that wreckage and the hostages and the damage, and, and uh, both financial and, and, you know, to other human beings, is that um, today God has taken all of that, right, and all of my experiences, and has turned it, you know, into me being uniquely qualified to be able to help people, yeah. you know, and that's that's what you know God promises and Bob works all things for the good, you know. He can take any one of us that are, and I was, man, you ask my wife, you heard her that yeah. one time on my birthday. You ask her, I was as broken as anybody, yeah, if not more so, right? I and I absolutely love that. We we had a uh, a little celebration, and I wouldn't even call it a little celebration. It was. Um, you know, Paul had just celebrated nine years of sobriety and, um, you know, there was, uh, I would say about 50 people. What, what, what do you think about 40, 50? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was, uh, it was a, a, a very, uh, good group of guys that, um, from all aspects of people that he's been able to like build genuine relationships with over the years and hearing everyone like stand up and, and say some words about him, And then, uh, you know, his, his wife, um, you know, said like kind of closed it off and it was just, that was a, a, such a great experience. Like kind of seeing that man. And yeah, um, she was, there's no way for, for her not to believe so strongly in God, Jesus, because what she has seen happen, you know, I'll put it to you that way, you know, and what she experienced firsthand and not thinking that there was any way that, that I could be, uh, I could be changed or saved, you know, and for, for life to be the way that it is today, it's impossible. She would tell you it's impossible for her not to believe. Right. And it's like that that's something that too that I, I kind of wanted to touch on as well, because it's like, you know, today and, and well, pretty much since the whole time I've known you for the past like three and a half years, um, you know, you've just you've been like, a you know, you're known as a great father, a great husband. Right. And like even before this episode, when we we're out back, we're talking about, you know, your daughter's soccer game and, and all of these things. But it wasn't always that way. No. Right. Wasn't. Um, no, I was the I, I've told this part before, you know. I'm I'm in the hospital for the birth of uh, of two of my kids, and uh, I'm I'm in the middle of my alcoholism, and and I, I'm you know I've got this plastic bottle of Coke um, um, filled up with just enough Coke to make sure that nobody knows it's pretty much straight vodka, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm drinking that, you know, during this this delivery of my kids, man, you know, and thrown down Viking and Perkins, whatever I needed to do. And then, you know, on top of that, and not being able to be mentally present for, for the birth of my kids, um, you know, I'm, I'm really pushing to, you know, get my wife out of the hospital as soon as possible because I want things to get back to the way that they're supposed to be, which is me at the house, you know, drinking the way that I want to drink. You know, with no regards to anybody or anything other than myself, the epitome of selfishness and self-centeredness. Um, and, and I saw my family as an inconvenience at times, unless, you know, they were doing exactly what I wanted them to do, actor scenario, right? Um, doing exactly what I wanted to do, and even then I wasn't, wasn't happy, right. you know? Uh, but yeah, it was, I was not, uh, I was not a good husband. I was not a good father. Um, but God gave me the opportunity to, he gave me the opportunity to be closer to the man that he, he made me to be. And, uh, I have to remember that, you know, and, uh, I did, I got that opportunity. You know, when my, my last daughter was born, I was sober for that. He gave me that opportunity, you know, and that, uh, you know, I don't think about it enough, but you know, I'm truly grateful for that. Um, 
she has never known me to have a drink, ever. And, uh, and uh, I got to spend, because I was un- unemployable, right? Because of all, yep. these, uh, all these, you know, felonies and all this other stuff and didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, I got to spend a lot of time with my younger daughters, you know, watching them during the day, taking them to daycare, you know, taking them here and there. And then when I started the houses, right, they got the firsthand view of, of that thing developing. Right. You know, I, I hesitate to call it a business because to me, you know, it's more than a business to me. Right. <laughs> yeah, but they get to see that develop, man. And, and uh, how, yeah. how is how, how is that? Like, um, I, I imagine like, like how how do you explain that to them? Like, oh yeah, I have a bunch of houses of like a bunch of alcoholics and addicts, and we're helping them just like get sober and teaching them how to live. Like, what does that conversation look like? It's funny um, because I think even my even my nine year old could have a conversation with you about alcoholism and sober living houses and and how we do things um, because they're I don't. I get phone calls in my truck and they're in the truck with me, right? I um, I get phone calls at home and, and I don't walk away because um, I don't feel convicted to do that. I feel like they they need to see what, what this is, is like. I, I don't know if need to see it is the right phrase, but I'm not afraid for them to see it, you know? And, uh, and, and they understand everything from, you know... Um, guys not doing their chores too yeah you know um i'll get off the phone with with a, a guy after i tell him hey man i'm giving you the opportunity to get honest with me you know that conversation yeah it's, you know <laughs> and, and i'll hang up the phone and i'm like so what do you guys think you think he was being honest with me <laughs> and their responses are funny sometimes usually no <laughs> yeah usually no and uh but uh but yeah, they, they know what I do and, and they know the seriousness of it and, and I don't hide it from them. Um, I try to watch my language um, when I'm talking with these guys, but you know, sometimes with the newcomer, you know, it's, these, they're, hard, they're harsh conversations and, and yeah. I don't, I, I let them hear that too. Yeah, and, that, and that's just like when, when you're in like a sober living environment, we are just as alcoholics and addicts. We're undisciplined. We live very undisciplined yeah, lives, and absolutely. so a lot of uh, what it takes in those early days is that very like firm structure of you. You're going to wake up. You're going to make your bed. You're not going to hang around at the house all day. You're yeah. not going to make a mess. Like it's like all of these fundamental skills that um, you know I should have known at 24 years old, and I didn't. And now I go into this house. Um, you know it's tough and then you have yeah it's, yeah i, I mean yeah. it's it's like you know we we like to <clears throat> the days of us being able to say these little things don't matter when we're to that point and trying to get sober those days are over because all the little stuff matters because when we're trying to rebuild that rebuild ourselves and let god do his work in us these things are important you know i remember one of our friends, Garrett, always brings this up. He's like, Paul, I remember when you used to come into this house and you used to go over the chore sheet and you used to lecture us about, you know, how a chore, the, doing your chore is a reflection on your on your program and, and your sobriety. And, you know, a lot of us would, would you know, you kind of look at, look at each other and say, uh, you know, I think that's a little much. And, but today they would tell you it is. Right. You know, and, and there comes a point where there's a realization in that. And that switch turns on, and you're like, "Wow, oh, it is." Mm-hmm. You know, it's all important, man. It's all it's all important because we are undisciplined because we we don't know how to follow through, right? We we don't know how not to take shortcuts, yeah. right? We don't know how to not justify. Well, I did most of it, but I forgot to sign. Mm. So yeah, it's it. It's important, you know, and, uh, you know, some, uh, I'll be honest with you, the, most, of the, most of the guys, you know, understand it. Getting them to, to follow through with it's a little bit more difficult, but, you know, um, it's just another step down the path, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Um, 
I remember there was like a couple of times. I, I remember one time there was this there's this guy uh, that that we both know. Uh, his name's Aaron, and he was like managing this house, and I was like out oh. and like hanging out in like a hot tub or something, and like I was gonna be late for curfew, and he's doing what any good house manager would do, and being like, "No, you need to be home on time." And me being there for like ten months, I think I'm above the rules, you know. And so yeah. I'm like, "Call Paul right now. Call him at eleven at night. Tell him what's up, dude. See what he says." And then he's like, no, dude, like, no, turns out I need to be home by curfew. <laughs> turns out it turns out 10 months of sobriety doesn't qualify me to not follow the rules. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, being free from drugs and alcohol is only such a small part of what recovery actually is. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm still an undisciplined fearful egotistical person with or without drugs right and and sometimes without drugs and alcohol it's even amplified because i don't mm -hmm. even have what my coping mechanisms used to be to like suppress those things and so i'm just flying off the rails and then that's when i you know come to realize if i'm lucky right is that i need to rely on god and like that's why the the whole point of this is like i need to keep growing in my relationship with god or else i'm going to regress back into all of those yeah, yeah I, I, I'll tell you, you're just speaking on that and and it made me realize something that, you know, um, my, my walk in my faith, you know, um, taught me to be more patient with with early sobriety because, you know, after four years in sobriety, you know, going through those years, having a couple of sober living houses at that time. I became impatient with guys, you know, not being able to follow through with, with what they agreed to do, you know, and um, I become I be started to become jaded, you know, and uh, you know that's where I said my anger and my pride and ego started coming into into play, and then there'll be people that, you know, were in the houses back in those days that that will tell you, you know, and when I started, you know, going. You know, while walking my faith, you know, and hoping all this other stuff, they'll tell you that they, they saw the change, you know. And and I never claimed to, to change or do. It just it's just one of those things. Like when you do the steps, and other people see things in you that way before you do, right? right. And, and uh, you know, I'm. It's all God's timing because, you know, I needed to change or else it just it wasn't sustainable, right? Um, being that jaded about things and and that uh, impatient and, and that angry about situations um, would have caused a breakdown somewhere. Right. You know? That's, it's just, it's so awesome. And like, I, and, and I've heard some, I've heard some stories. I think for me, I like came in right at the, the, I came in in the, the church Paul era. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, I mean, I'm just, for all yeah. I know is just from when I first met you to now, but like, you were already down that path, but I, I never got experienced the pre-church era. Yeah. Like, um, but. yeah. But yeah, you know, I was, I was talking about, you know, a story that 30 years of drinking, using drugs and, uh, you know, piling on, starting to pile on consequences, you know, and, and making some really bad decisions that cost me legal trouble and felony charges and, and using, even using that as, as entitlement. You know, because look at how unfair this is to me. Now I can't work in my field. All of these things, man, it's just a complete crap show, man. You know, and, and so delusional, so deep into that delusion that I couldn't see it. And, you know, all, all I was convinced as an alcoholic is that I just need more and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, more attention from women, more more time at the casino, more cocaine and alcohol. And... uh more money and I'll be okay. It'll fix everything, but you know, uh, or a better t job title. Job, I was big on job titles. Yeah, you know, the, the prestige. Validation, man, through through this material world was uh, was one of my big things. You know, it really was, and uh, it's it's deadly. It, it is. It, it almost it, it almost got me. You yeah. know, and, and I I didn't even know it. You know, I just I was just doing what I was told to do. By this world, right? Go out, get yours, man. Yeah. You know, whatever. Go get yours. You know, the, the more money, the the more value you are as a person, and, and it's just not the truth, you know. And uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that you know, um, 
God was still there for me, you know, because, you know, there, there are times in, in when you're when you're contemplating, you know, whether or not you want to wake up or come to in the morning, you know, and you think that it's better off that you don't, that uh, you wonder if uh, if he's still there, you know, and it's been proven over and over again that he is. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And like. Another thing, too, that I kind of wanted to just touch on, and you touched on it a little bit, but it's like the progression of your interactions with people early in sobriety. And it's like I, I see that because I manage a sober living house now, and it's like not going not to lie, like the first like two or three months of like doing this, I've noticed that same thing in me where it's just like I don't understand what you're not understanding about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like get on board yeah. or like, you know. Yeah. And then I've got to remember that it was like, it wasn't too long ago that I was that guy in your house mm-hmm. that was just like, well, like not doing my chore. Yeah, like, didn't you know, want to pick up your clothes. Yeah. Like, and I was just didn't like, didn't want to be quiet during quiet hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, that's you, dude. It's like, that was you. You, it's like, I had to like go through that and have somebody hold me accountable and like go through and learn all of those things that like are innate to me now. But it's like, they weren't innate, they were learned skills. And so, like, showing that grace and like understanding that, you know, being in sober living specifically, it's like you're, you're taking somebody in at such like a pivotal moment in their lives yeah. and like um there has they can to, go either way yeah oh, really yeah. they can go either way and, and do i want to be there to to love them and love them enough to hold them accountable but give them an opportunity for god to work in their life yeah or, or do i want to just you know hammer them and and run them off Right. And, 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 you know, being in a manager position, it's like a big thing. It's like every single day I have that decision. Am I going to live in my will or is it going to be God's will? Am I going to allow my differences of personality affect how I treat this person? Or am I going to live by the (laughs) principle or am I going to live by the principles laid out in this program? Am I going to, uh, if I, am I going to live in love and tolerance? That's my code. Or am I going to allow my, you know, dislike of certain character uh, attributions of people uh, dictate how I treat them in the houses, right? And it's like, that's a daily struggle. And like, you know, it's something that every single day I find myself having to rely on God and be like, look, God, like, this guy's doing this stuff that's annoying me, but who am I to strip him of an opportunity to be here and like not show him some grace or not allow him some, some time to like really try to get what's going on because i'm so quick to judge sometimes i'm so quick to write people off and i remember like what if i was just written off i probably wouldn't be here yeah it reminds me that uh you know at at any time god could have been like that with me right like this guy's never gonna get it although he's all knowing he knew that that i was going to right but all signs tell tell you that he's not gonna get it he's not the one he's not gonna get it man um, or just like my wife, right? She, her story, you know, this is not going to happen. It's impossible, right? And, and we've both seen people where we both look like this guy. There's this, no way. This there's guy here, no this guy here, there's no way. And it happens. And it happens. And they're strong and they're part of, they're part of our fellowship now, right? And they're strong in it, yeah. right? And, and I, gotta re- I have to remember that, right? Because uh, it happens, God, there's nothing be, that God cannot do, and I've seen it, man. No. And uh, that's a good point that you bring up. And, and it is, and it's hard with, with, for you, for the managers, and, and I know it is, because it's daily. You're daily faced with this, right? And, and I, I have to talk through it with, with a couple of my guys every once in a while. Like, listen, man, and I have to remind them, you know, you were once that dude, remember? This isn't your first time in my house. Yeah. You know, it just so happens the second time around, you got, you got it. God got a hold of you, right? And, and I'm like, now, now we got to give this guy a chance. Right. And it's like one of the most beautiful things in like this like category of like sober living is to see someone come in and they're just they're pissed off at the world they're just they're better than sober living and the only reason why they're there is because of this that and this and they're only going to be there my favorite i'm only be here for 30 yeah, days yeah my favorites i'm only going to be here for 30 days that i'm going back and like to see those people 
And then after like being in sober living for a while, say, you know, I think I'll stay for 90 days or like, I think I'll stay for six months. And they end up being there for like a year and and they go on and you still see them around and they're like Mm -hmm. a big part in the community. And it's like, I remember that guy when he first showed up and it was like, that was not it. This guy was just going to do his 30 days, go back to his apartment and somehow be cured. And it's just, um, that's like one of the most beautiful things about it, man. But then on the other side of the coin, being in sober living is you see a lot of the ones who don't make it. We've got to have some discernment, you know, and God's blessed me with some discernment. You know, there's some, there's a difference between, there's a difference between the spirit of a, of a person. You know, some guys are just, um, I, I can work with a guy who doesn't follow, doesn't, you know, do his chore, doesn't, you know, go to all his meetings a couple weeks and, you know, maybe have a, a crappy attitude once in a while or talks back, but there's not a, um, a complete meanness to his spirit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, he doesn't really want to cause harm. He's just hasn't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other, and and they and it exists, mm-hmm. and and they're just not ready to be around other people because they will cause harm. Yeah. And, and it's you know we have to determine that, and, and you know unfortunately, for for me you know, it's just not the place for them right now. You know, when you when you're when you're fully exhausted, and you're ready. To surrender, you some of some of that meanness and, and I'm just gonna call it what it is, evil spirit, man. Then yeah. then we'll talk. Yeah, man. It's uh, and that's that's like a big thing because you see both sides of it, and like also it's just you know they they I remember someone telling me like you'll you'll go to more uh, funerals than weddings, you know, like when I first like came out here and. Um, that's another part of recovery and, and being in like specifically like sober living. It's like you run into so many people, right? Because it's like chances are like, you know, there's a lot of people who will be at one of Paul's houses. Maybe it didn't work out six months later. They wind up at a plugged in house. But it's like you, you start knowing so many people, right? Even if it's just on a surface level in the community. And when you're in that position to like have that wide of a network, you, you hear a lot about like a lot of the death and, and mm-hmm. the the more um, tragic side of the things. And that, for me, kind of is like keeps me uh, remembering exactly what we're doing as well in those times where it's like it's important to have that. It's important to have grace and it's important to work with guys, but it's also important to uphold that level of accountability yeah. and understand that it's like, it's, uh, there's a there's a fine fine line between showing someone grace and enabling them to continue doing behaviors that are could be potentially fatal. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more because there's you you have a number of other guys that are that you're accountable to, you know, and uh, you know they're not just paying for a place to to crash, you know, they're not they're paying to be held accountable and for other people to be held accountable. <clears throat> and you know, um, giving them a, a safe environment to work on their recoveries is is really, you know, paramount. Yeah, man. Well, this this has been this has been great, dude. I like, I just love having times to to sit down and talk with you. And um, also, just a quick side note, I wanted to throw this in there. Uh, so Paul's one of my good golf buddies, and I and I'll tell you what. So I picked up golfing, um, you know, like early in sobriety. I bought this like cheap little set of clubs, and I started going. And um, and I remember the very first time like you invited me golfing. That I literally had that like I made it feeling. I was just like, <laughs> oh my god, Paul wants to golf with me. I was like, this I'm moving up in the world. Oh, man. Like something's oh. happening. Um, but it's uh, it's some of the best times, man. And I I really do enjoy like having access to run things by you and like even like when I'm when I mess things up like even earlier today before this podcast I'm like telling him about some things or it's like yeah I probably owe some amends I, I didn't really handle that the, the best way but it's like that's the beauty of it man is that we, we don't have to be perfect we just have to be honest yeah that's that's a great way to put it man yeah that, that is it and you know the cool thing about it Eric is, is my relationship with you is that 
that, you know, you're really transparent with me and, you know, you're pretty wide open with me. And I appreciate that. That's what that's what allows us to build relationships when, when we're open with other people. And it's not recommended that we're, we're like that with everybody. Right. We can't be, you know, but uh, we have to be with some people. Yeah. You know, in order to, to for this thing to work, we do. So, yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome, man. Well, as we uh, kind of wrap up here, I did want to say, I mean, do you have um, for any potential viewers that may be on the fence about recovery or on the fence about going to treatment or going to sober living or just like reaching out and seeking help? Uh, do you have any words for them? Yeah, you know, I could ask about that, you know. Um, my, my experience with, with going to treatment, um, we're all based on, it's all based on ultimatums and, and consequences of my actions. And I'm grateful for that. But it doesn't have to be that way, you know. And, and you know, we, I was talking earlier about the, the state of hopelessness, right, where it never, it's never going to get any better than it is right now so i might as well just keep continuing to do what i'm doing that's a lie and uh if you could just see through that lie for just a moment and just make a phone call man it's just you know we've if we want things to change we have to do different things and, and that's really all that there is to it man and, and uh, i know it's difficult and i fought it for a long time and i try to tell people you don't have to it doesn't have to go on and on and on it doesn't have to we can make that decision and even if that window just opens up for a little bit for a short period of time make the phone call and go you know this stuff is always waiting for you it's always waiting for you and you can always you know go back to it but you know there is hope i've seen lives change i've seen you know and when i see lives change you know for me that's a miracle you know and and i've been and I'm grateful, been blessed to see so many miracles that I know that if we just make a, a little bit of an effort, God can take over from there. And, you know, I remember people used to tell me in, uh, when I, in those first four years I was trying to get sober and I couldn't really get it as a chronic relapser. You know, people used to tell me a lot of stuff and I always blew it off because I knew better, right? But I remember one thing and people used to tell me that, uh, you know, if you get sober, you know, um, your life can be better than you could ever imagine it, right? And, and I used to imagine some really cool big things, right? And I'm like, that's, that's a nice saying, you know, but uh, I don't really think that that's really possible. Um, but I, I am here to tell you, you know, honestly, you know, you get sober, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, and, and I truly believe that, and, and, and I'm living that right now. Like, like I said, you compare my life to, to nine, nine and a half years ago to where it is today, um, you would say that that's not possible, but it's just not. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of guys in the houses that, that, that come in nowadays, they can't, they don't have, it's not easy for them to imagine what my life used to be like. Um, and I like to share with them, you know, on, on a one-to-one -one or a small group basis, you know, what it was really like so they, they know. And I'm not saying that, that my life is, is better than somebody else, you know, but, you know, you can be reasonably happy, you know, and that's all my expectation. If I do these things that God wants me to do and I try to become the man that he designed me to be and I'm of service, which is what I believe that I was put on this earth to, to do, you know, I can be reasonably happy and I can understand that, that my life, um, while I'm here, I have a job to do and I, and I can be obedient to that and, and that the struggles that I go through today, they have a purpose. And, and you, know, um, you know, being reasonably happy and helping people um, gives my life purpose to where before I didn't have any other purpose other than trying to fulfill the world's idea of what success is, right. you know, and um, it's an amazing thing, but it just starts with the first, the first step and, you know, reach out for help. There's so many people that want to help you and man, just try for just a little while, just a little bit to lay aside your pride and ego and uh, 
man, you know, it, it, there's just such a better life out there for you. God wants a better life for you. Everybody around you wants a better life for you. Um, man, you know, just reach out. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we see the successes, but we also see, you know, the other side of it. And, and that's, it's, it's heartbreaking when, when I have to go to a funeral and, and see a man's, you know, eight-year-old daughter there, you know, that's heartbreaking, you know, um, because I know what, what can happen out of that situation. And, and uh, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, we can make different choices and I, and I hope they do. Yeah, man. And uh, as you're saying that, I just like remember the uh, the last part of like the the full version of the serenity prayer. It's like yeah. just reasonably happy in this life and supremely For happy, happy with even the next. You know. Yeah, because we all we all think that this is it right here in the material world, right? But uh, you know, it's not. But I have a job to do while I'm here. Right. You know, and I'm gonna do it. Oh, man, well, that that's awesome, and and I, we thank you so much for for coming on the yeah, pod. Yeah, thanks man. for having me, and uh, yeah, I, I hope that uh, you know um, anything that I said may have, may have helped somebody out there. That's awesome, um, and you guys know. Quick uh, shout out before we end the episode to our sponsor, Plugged In Recovery. If uh, you are somebody you love or looking for a sober living home, just reach out six one. What is it? Six one two five zero five five four nine four or uh, www.azsober.com. Also, we'll put um, Paul's information out there too. Um, if you guys um, you know, liked what you heard and maybe want to check his program out, I definitely recommend it. I'm an alumni and um, have nothing but uh, good things to say about it. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, um, and click the notification bell so you know every time we're posting. And uh, we'll see you next week. Great. Thank you.